the idea of outliving your money, like inflation risk, I think, are the two big silent killers that we need to be spending some time addressing, much more so than what the gyrations of the stock market might be doing on any given day, making us afraid that we're going to lose all our money. I couldn't agree more. What is financial sobriety? Well, first, I'm Jim Gebhardt. Oh, I'm Matthew Grishman. That's good. We should introduce ourselves. And this podcast is all going to be about three relationships that really, when you stop and you think about them, you don't think they go together. But it's your relationship you have with money. It's the relationship you have with people who mean the most to you. And ultimately, the relationship you have with yourself. So I might imagine that those three relationships are somewhat wrapped together. That when one gets a little out of whack, perhaps it has an effect on the others. Stick around and you'll find out. What are you grateful for today? I am grateful for Nick's Tacos. Get it right. It's Nick's Taco. Oh, it's singular? Yeah, it's singular. I don't order a single taco. I know. You can order multiple tacos. And you don't order a single taco either. (laughs) I order more than you do. I am grateful, as trivial as it is, I haven't had those in quite some time, and... Our post-game routine is typically to watch film and take an ice bath. No, is to have some lunch. And the the lunch today is one of my all-time favorite taco stands. Nick's Taco, baby. Hopefully a future sponsor of the show. <laughs> Absolutely. How about you? I'm grateful to be here. I'm always grateful to be here. I don't know that there is any small amount of gratitude that is not incredibly meaningful. And that's the power of this exercise to me. I'm grateful that we do gratitude, that we we do this exercise, whether we're here in studio, before our team meetings, when you and I get together on the phone, we'll often snap each other out of whatever funk we're in by asking the other person, hey, what are you grateful for today? The power of just finding one thing in the chaos called life that I can be grateful for completely changes the entire direction of my day sometimes. So I am grateful for gratitude. Grateful for gratitude. Yes. That sounds like a bumper sticker. We should make it a bumper sticker. Might get rich with that. Nah. Let's go talk to the guy with the yellow smiley face, see what he thinks. Yeah, see how he's he or she's doing. So I got an idea for today. Okay. Let's talk about risk, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that risk can be. Yeah. So Let's I love, talk about risk. I love the old salt and pepper <laughs> going back to 19, I think that's like 1990. We can fact check that. Ooh, senior year of high school for this kid. But that that's the theme. Is is risk. You want to talk about risk today? I, I have been wanting to talk about, I have been talking about risk for a very long time. You thought I wanted to talk about something else the way we started singing that, but true. let's talk about risk. Right. I know. You, you've you been chomping at the bit to talk I, about I've risk. I've been foaming at the mouth because it is off the charts. Risk is. Yes. In Oof. so many different areas. Wait, so we're going to talk about money on this podcast. Money. Today is, well, is it money? No, it's risk. Oh. Because it is, it, it is the 800-pound gorilla in the room 
that no one wants to recognize. Now, we, first of all, we have to define what risk is, right? I think that's a fair, that's a fair place to start yeah, because there's yeah. obviously a lot of context. But the, the straight out of the hymnal def, definition is exposure to danger, harm, or loss. So our past couple episodes have been about Ace and the risk he was facing with his surgery. Sure. Right? That's a health risk. There was plenty of danger, potential harm, and the ultimate potential loss of life. In this show, we are going to put it more in financial terms. I'm not going to say money terms, but I'm going to say financial terms as it relates to your money. Sure. Well, and I, I would imagine when, when I know the first time I heard the term risk, as it relates to money, I thought of one thing and one thing only. Oh, my God, I'm going to lose my money. Right. For the purposes of what we're about to do in the next several episodes, I sense a little series coming in here, like a little mini series within the entire 2022 year of financial sobriety. Yeah, we can't unpack this in one episode. No, because there's a lot more to this word risk, this concept of risk, than simply losing my money. And it's going to take us a few episodes to have some conversation about what these different risks associated with finance are really all about. I think most people would agree with you that the thought of risk has to do with loss of their money. I think that is a natural takeaway. Yeah, I'm not sure the stock market's behavior these last several weeks, months would reflect that. Well, that that's why I think this is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Ah. And let's just put a laundry list out there of the different kinds of risk that exist. This is not the penultimate list by any means. But in terms of your experience, my experience in the trade, there are things such as geopolitical risk. Ooh, that's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. Well, we have that today with Russia invading Ukraine. That is unexpected, out of our control, geopolitical risk that affects so many things. And we can go back and unpack these and, and really get into them, but that's one risk. Sure. And that's a big you know, front headlines every day right now is that if you're learning about these concepts is called geopolitical risk. Fabulous. Okay. Another one that is very present in the news today is interest rate risk. What is interest rate risk? That is, are interest rates going to rise or are interest rates going to fall? If I'm, They're at if zero. I'm betting, if I'm betting, I mean, I know you were really meaning to ask me that question. Yeah. I'm going to bet they're going up there, Bill. So we ticked, they ticked up just a little bit, one quarter of a percent from zero. And who is in charge of this? A gentleman by the name of Jerome Powell and Friends. Right. So he is the chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank, which sets the interest rate level. For the overnight, well, what's called the overnight lending rate. He, set, he sets the rate for which the Federal Reserve Bank loans money to banks banks on a one-day basis, on an overnight basis. And that becomes the trickle-down effect to all these other interest-bearing instruments that are out there. Things we can put our money in, like CDs and money money markets, to ways we can borrow money. Savings accounts. Right. Because, I mean, you you, you have a robust interest rate on your savings and money market accounts these days, right? Oh, my CD savings accounts and money market portfolio is booming with an interest rate of way less than 1%. I looked at a family member's 1099 yesterday. 1099 is the tax form 
that you have to provide, you know, when you're kind of filing your taxes on dividends and interest. Mm. And this family member had over six figures in cash, in money market. Wow. And the interest for the calendar year was something like $14.87. And I just, I look, I stood, I just stared at the number for a while like, wow. That's crazy. When you and I started in this business, and I realized I'm going to sound like grandpa, money market used to pay 5%. But let's be clear about something here. Because there's another risk tied to interest rate risk that we're going to get into more. I mean, there's a whole episode we're going to do on interest rate risk. But there's another risk tied to interest rate risk as to why those CDs were paying 5%. And it's another one of the big risks that's in the news today, and that's called inflation risk. Oh, what's that, Bob? (laughs) That is the risk that your $1 today will not be able to buy you the same goods or services at some unknown point in the future because of this thing called inflation. So the reason those CDs were paying 5% back when you and I got started in the business, or better yet, when Ace was an er- in the early days of his radio production days, you know, way, way back when in the 80s when CDs were paying north of 10%, was because inflation was higher. The fact that inflation back when you and I started in this business was closer to its historical average of 3 to 4%, CDs were paying 5 So how much were we really getting ahead with our money every year? About 1%, right? Yeah, not and, much. And, and what I love hearing from people is when they talk about those good old days back in the 70s and the 80s when they were making 12% on their bonds, 13% on their bonds— But then they'd also be crying to me about what they were paying on their mortgages. At 16%. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. Almost like a reasonable credit card today. You weren't. (laughs) No kidding. That'd be a very generous, reasonable credit card today. But even if you look back at the height of interest rates in 1981, where you had literally the 10-year treasury paying, you know, double digits, inflation was right there. So your actual return you know, if inflation, and, and we'll check the numbers, these aren't exact, just for example purposes, I don't have my history books in front of me, but if the 10-year Treasury bond was paying, let's call it 15%, inflation was at 13 or 14%. So we weren't really making much ground on being able to keep up our $1 ability to pay for stuff in the future any more so than we are today. So that, in very simple terms, is purchasing power. Purchasing power. Purchasing power is what is your power. what is your dollar what does your dollar buy for you today? We have been whining on the show for a while now about things like restaurants and going out to eat and what that costs. That's a great example of inflation. A longer term example of inflation is the story that I love that you tell about putting a stamp on a love note to Amy back in, oh, in college. Absolutely. You remember those good old days before text messages and email and all that, we actually had to sit down and handwrite a letter to our loved ones. Is this like John Adams to his beloved? Exactly. So Abigail? So, so when uh, Matthew used to write love notes to Amy, I would fold them up in these neat little, like, almost, what's that called? The origami? Or Yeah, almost like origami, stick them in an envelope, and I would write her address on the front of that envelope. I'd write my address on the back of the envelope, and then I'd put one of these little stamps on the front of that envelope. And what did those cost in 1986? 22 cents. Okay. By the time we actually went away to school, they were 25 cents. Okay. Price of the stamp today? 57 cents. What is it? 
58 cents. Holy cow, thank you, Ace, for fact-checking me there. Last I bought a stamp, it was 57 cents. Thank God for the forever stamps. So that, but that, now they're 58 cents. That is one of the simplest and I think most powerful references in terms of, of inflation because, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, that is the silent killer. That has always been in my career the dragon that we're trying to slay. Is helping, help, what, helping people make Maintaining sure. Maintaining purchasing power over long periods of time. Making sure your dollar can buy you the same stuff 20 years from now that it buys you today. Super simple example. For, forgive the numbers. But if you need $10,000 a year to live on, God bless you. <laughs> right, but say. if you need $10,000 to live on and you have 3% inflation 30 years from now, so let's use a very stereotypical, you retire at 60, but you're still around at 90. 3% inflation, 30 years later, you need $2.44 in your 30th year to buy the same dollar you needed in, in the first year. So that so $10,000 $10, lifestyle had to go to $24,400. Just to buy you the same stuff. Just to buy you the same stuff. Wow. Wow. So inflation risk is, that's my enemy. That is who, as a financial planner, I suit up and do battle with every day. Everybody thinks it's the stock market. Yeah, losing money. That's what, that's number one thing I hear about when it comes to risk is losing my money. A hundred percent. And we have to address that too. That and is the, a real and, risk. And that is a real risk. Called? That is called equity risk. Ah, market risk. Market risk. Thank is you. That's another way to think of it. Yeah. And that market, I think often are the unspoken when we say market has to do with the stock market. But you could apply it to pretty much- The real estate market. Right. The art collectible market. Right. Whatever, I mean, and real the estate- you could, you market. Could, you could pick that apart into- Commercial real estate, residential real estate, whatever whatever you want in the way of... Whatever your market is. Whatever the market is in terms of how you're investing. Sure. There's going to be a lot more about that. What other risks do we deal with there, brother? Well, in, in the context of equity risk, there is this concept that you and I are also very passionate about, which is valuation, right? Where are things priced today? Oh, I was thinking I value you. Right. in our relationship. And but, I put a lot of valuation on that. that I, I would value it very highly. But I keep remembering you're the one with the big, beautiful left brain, the CFP in the room, who's going to keep bringing us back to the well, money you, part. You have a good. left brain too. I do. And you use it quite often because you are very adept at valuing if that's something that is worth purchasing or not. Ah, right. There you go. So often, and I, my favorite way to, to explain this with clients is think of your favorite store. Back when you like went into a building that had the stuff that you wanted and you oh, just didn't do oh, it online. Gotcha. I was wondering. I was gonna say it's on my And you walked into that store. Yeah. Radio and Shack. There was an end cap that had the, your very favorite things on it. GameStop. And there's a sign up above that says twenty five percent off. Oh, those are my favorite signs. That's for me, those signs tell me that if I don't buy five of those things, I'm actually losing money. It's a very simple inducement to get you to buy yeah. because it's 25% off, right? Right. So have you ever walked into a store and you saw that thing and it was it was actually marked up 25%? Like there was a sign that said, this is 125% of its normal price? Only a car dealership does that. Today, yeah, they I was, do. I was going to say, the only place I've ever seen that is car dealerships. And that's 
in the last year. Right. Due to other kinds of risk. Which right? is why I'm buying the truck that I leased at a much lower price than what it would cost me if I walked into a truck dealership and paid the 125% markup. So I'm starting to pick up what you're putting down from a valuation risk standpoint. I just never was really aware of the left side of my brain, but perhaps- It's there, baby. Yeah, you got a little bit of this uh, osmosis voodoo it's, coming my is, way, so thank you for that. It is absolutely there. How about another one, another favorite, another classic, Bob? Ooh, please. But, that, w- but wait, there's that, more. That wonderful 1970s album called Commodities Risk. Ooh. What, what would that be? Like gold and oil and- Oil. And I'm thinking frozen oil. concentrated orange juice? $118 to fill up my automobile a couple of days ago. I just got a headache hearing you say that. $118. There are gas stations here in California. If you're not a Californian, let, let's just speed bump right over it. Six bucks is, is standard issue right now. But I have seen... Gas, you know, I haven't seen them with my own eyes, but I'm going to because we're going to be in Southern California next week. Approaching $8 a gallon, $7.95 for premium unleaded in Southern California. Now, full disclosure, the time that we're recording this, prices may fluctuate a little bit from the time this episode. Oh, thank episode, you for our compliance department yeah, is checking from the, in. From the time. So all of these numbers that we're talking about, you, you mentioned interest rate increases. By the time, I mean, the world is moving so damn fast today that from the time we're recording this and the time that the rest of the world is actually hearing this, there may be additional interest rate hikes. Gas prices may have changed. The we stock might, market may have changed. We might have a pandemic. <laughs> Anything is possible. Right. So oil being what it is today, the price of oil, that commodity is surging, right? The price of oil is not at an all-time high, but you know the, the it's the second all-time high. Yeah. So we have we have a, a risk in that that we're going to dive into deeper. That's really going to mess my summer up with all the copper tone that I buy for laying out. Well, don't forget the, the golf balls. Oh. Do I put copper tone oil on my golf balls or are they no, made but from they, oil? Go go Google things that are made using petroleum. Oh. And you will be you will be shocked to see things like bicycle tires, motorcycle helmets, vitamin capsules, skis, tool racks, mops, umbrellas. You said golf balls. Golf balls. So I guess petroleum's not really going anywhere, even though we're trying to make this whole electric vehicle push. I think we're gonna need some petroleum going forward if we still want to go play some golf or here's a funny here's a funny one bicycles here's a funny one very funny haha uh-huh. life jackets <laughs> well good thing we do life boat fact drills. check me on this but life jackets life jackets require petroleum fantastic ballpoint pens nail polish golf bags antiseptics basketballs well what would we ever do without basketball insect repellent Fishing rods, ice cube trays for when you're at the beach. You're going to need your ice cube trays full of water. So what, I mean, if we really do away with oil, then what's going to happen to March Madness, my favorite month of the year? Wow. We're so, gonna, so we're going to need lithium batteries for it is what we're going to need. So oil risk is, is or commodity risk is something that's here to stay. These no matter are, what the rhetoric is from yeah. government and where and, we're trying to go. And all of these risks aren't things that anybody wants to really talk about. Oh, I'm enjoying myself today. Right. But listeners are probably like, well, can't we talk about something more pleasant? 
Well, that's the that's the FM station, Easy Listening 101.7. Nice. Yeah, that's not financial sobriety. Then you come around the corner into some of the things that are more directly in the control of the individual. Wait, wait. So, okay, pump the brakes. Yeah. So all of those risks that we just rattled off that we're going to spend the next few episodes dissecting a little bit more, those are all risks that we would categorize as outside of our control. For the simplicity of today, yes. Okay. But maybe... But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. There are some risks that we take that are more obviously within our control. Is that where you're going? That's a lovely tee-up. There you go. The first one is what we call concentration risk. Think of it from how your assets are spread around. I'm trying to concentrate right now. So let's pretend you work for a very popular technology company. We got a few of those in Northern California. And... So number one, you work there. Number two, they probably grant you, you know, stock or RSUs or some form of additional incentivized compensation. You and your alphabet soup with your RSUs. Sure. Restricted stock units. Ah, thank you. They do some things to give you incentive comp to stick around so you don't go to the other hot tech company here. Okay. And then on top of it, it's probably an option inside of your retirement plan. Oh, to buy more of the company stock. Right. So you work there, which is where your livelihood comes from. They incentivize you with more and you own it inside of your 401k. And that's pretty much, let's say, maybe perhaps other than your house, all you own. That is concentration risk. We've met plenty of clients where they come to us and they have a spreadsheet of all their assets and they are 100% real estate. And it's done all house, spectacularly no well. Yeah. They have gobs of money on paper. In real estate. Yeah. Okay. That's concentration risk. So it sounds like what you're saying is concentration risk is putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. For anybody listening today, go look up Wikipedia and look at the story of Enron. That was the example I was thinking of. Go look at the example of WorldCom. One of my very first clients that when I left corporate Wall Street, to become a financial advisor that I worked with was somebody who had his entire life tied to that very large and once successful and darling of a Wall Street company called Enron. He had 70% of his 401k in Enron stock and Enron stock funds. He worked for Enron. He also had a bunch of RSUs and Enron stock. He walked into retirement the year before Enron went belly up with $1.8 million. And by the time it was all done, he had less than $100,000 left because he had all his eggs in Concentration that one basket. Concentration risk, yep. right? And we get blind to these things. We get blind to these concepts. Well, we of, don't want to think our company is going to be the next Enron. Come on. We don't right? want to think that the cost of a gallon of milk is going to go from 6 to $12 over the next 20 years. We don't want to plan for any of these things because they're, they're oogie. They're uncomfortable. They're stress-producing. And it's not that our company might become the next Enron. It's it's even broader than that. I mean, every company goes through its ups and downs and its hiccups. Even the greatest companies in the world have their tough times where that kind of concentration risk, if it comes at the wrong time in your life, like, I don't know, the day before you want to retire, they miss a quarterly earnings report, and all of a sudden, your entire retirement and everything you're worth is down 20%. Jeff Bezos has been very public about the fact that one day Amazon won't exist. Wow. He's one of the—depending he, on you know what week or month we're in, 
he's one certainly one of the top ten wealthiest people in the world. Right. Right. And he believes the very the very foundation of his wealth is a company that may not exist anymore. So concentration risk is a biggie. Yeah, we're going to get into that some more. Very different concept here. And another one that no one ever really wants to talk about is longevity risk. You and I spend a lot of time working with our individual clients on this concept because it would be awful to go through what that client that you were describing at Enron, mm -hmm. who within one year of retirement now has to go live the rest of his days with $100,000 versus a million eight. He had to go back to work is what actually happened to him. Right. Flip the script. Now you get to the end of life, and you never you never expected to live to fill in the blank. I call this the Ricky Bobby risk. Okay. Do, do tell. Longevity risk. If you've ever seen the movie Talladega Nights, one of the things that our darling dear Ricky Bobby, played by Will Ferrell, talks about is in a that, funny ha ha in a way. Very funny ha ha way is that you know with my good cash flow and modern science, I could easily live to 130, 140 years old. Well, that's wonderful for the financial planning industry, right? Because there's going to be a lot of planning we're going to have to do, right? But in order to make that money work, that's a lot of money you got to save. But when you talk with somebody that is retired, generally. One of their greatest fears is outliving their money. Amen. I second that. I mean, Im imagine being very late in life and you've outlived your money. Well, let, let me be perfectly clear on what I think we mean by longevity risk and boil it down to this. You've used the word menescence before. Let me get to the menescence of what longevity risk is. You run out of money the day before you die. That is is longevity risk, or any version of that, right? Yeah. The idea of outliving your money, like inflation risk, I think, are the two big silent killers that we need to be spending some time addressing, much more so than what the gyrations of the stock market might be doing on any given day, making us afraid that we're going to lose all our money. I couldn't agree more. So that's just kind of a, a, a high-level overview, and... You know, there's no reason to go, you know, pass out the rusty razor blades. This isn't a dark tale of woe. No, we're going to deal with this. We are going to, the, the reason we're putting the spotlight on it is it needs to be talked about. Because as you stop and you look, and I hope we're going to make this, this tool available to our listeners, is we created a little scoreboard for ourselves. This is just an internal thing that, yeah, that you and, and I yeah, yeah. have been using. Yeah, I'm going to say we are going to make this available. Yeah. Well, you know, our compliance department might have a... A minute or two with it. If you think of these different concepts of risk, the different, the different ones that we've identified here today, and you were to just put them on a piece of paper, and you were to have three columns, where do they rank today? Are they low, medium, or high? All right, let's go through it. You list them off, and I'll, I'll check the scoreboard. Geopolitical risk in 2022. High. Inflation risk in 2022. High. Interest rate risk in 2022. High. Well, getting higher. I mean, interest rates are way, way low, and they're starting to go up, and, and there's and a our, lot of room for them to go up. And so. our, Fed, our friends at the Fed have made it very clear. They are raising. They are not playing poker by any means. They have laid their cards down on the table and made it imminently clear. Yeah. Interest rate risk is high. I'll stick with my first answer there. That they're, they're going to raise interest rates 7 to 11 times over the next 18 months. Whew. Yeah, that's high. 
Okay. We're, and we're going to talk about why that is risky, what, what that does to us financially, because that's a big boy right there. All right. Equities and real estate valuations. So the, the, the relative price of stocks today versus, you know, history. history and the relative price of real estate today. So you're saying that the higher those prices are, the more risk that those prices could come yeah, are down. Yeah, are we at the high end of the price spectrum in terms of our stocks at or near an all-time high on a valuation basis and real estate at an all-time high? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so that high, would, yeah, high. high. Sorry, high. And specifically in the commodities area, we're going to pick on oil. High, very high. Are you, are, just, you need a fourth I'm, category. You need a very high category. I'm just for curious. That one. Are you noticing a trend here? It seems like most of the risks that affect our finances are high today. And then currency, the concept of currency risk. The, in this particular case, the U.S. dollar. Oh. Well, that is incredibly high given the amount of debt and free money, or as you like to say it, the gasoline that's been poured on this campfire. economy of ours called a campfire is massive. And the risk that our dollar could drop precipitously, I think, is really high. So the cool thing about all this, despite the fact that everything on the board is red and high, hot, is there's lots to talk about. There is. And there's lots to deal with. And- I think what's going to be cool going forward, and if I might give the little secret away to kind of tee up the next few episodes, is that all of this risk we're talking about and mitigating and reducing all of these risks that we're talking about are 100% within our control. We can actually do something about the risks that so often feel like we're powerless over them. We have choices. There are actions, and there are plans we can make to handle each and every one of these risks we've talked about. One of our mutual favorite movies is Star Wars. Now, I wouldn't say we're Star Wars geeks, although we do appreciate the dark side. Speak for yourself. (laughs) Well, you don't go to conferences. Uh, you don't know that. Is there a Star Wars a con in Vegas? Is that is that actually when you and your brother and, and dad go to Vegas, you're actually going to a Star Wars conference? I'm going to plead the fifth right now as to not self-incriminate myself on anything that could be used okay. against me in a court of law. Well, the, the one and only Yoda, there are some just awesome quotes that I love from Yoda. And in the context of what we're talking about today, the one that hits me is you must unlearn what you have learned. You must unlearn what you have learned. Whew. That speaks to this risk conversation about as directly as I could think. I when, I when I try to unpack and digest some of the Yoda-isms like that, that one to me always reminds me of what got you here isn't going to get you there, which goes back to your story on Vernal Falls on sure. the muscles that got you up the mountain are not the same muscles that are going to get you down the mountain of retirement. I don't know if I've ever told that in studio. Have well, I? I think today is a lovely day. Well, it's a, it's a very quick and simple story. When the boys were little and we took them to Yosemite for the very first time, Amy and I each had a boy in a little Keltie pack on our backs. So you had no experience. No experience with Yosemite yet. With Yosemite. First, first trip. Hiking experience. Plenty of hiking and backpacking, but never in Yosemite. But this is a new adventure in a new park. And and I got a kid on my back, which was kind of new to me as a new parent. You're kind of responsible for it. Yeah. My goal is to get to the top of Nevada Falls, 
We start at the bottom. The very first fall you can get to is called Vernal Falls. And then if you go higher, you can get to the top of Nevada Falls. With the boys on the backs, we got to the top of Vernal Falls and I was done. The back of my rear end, my hamstrings. What's my, the back of your rear end? The gluteus maximus so isn't here. Isn't your glutes. front? Yeah, my ass, my okay. glutes. That's your rear end, We're not on, the back of your rear end. But, well, it felt like the back of my rear end. It felt like I left it at the bottom of the hill by the time I got to the top. That and the whole backs of my legs were on fire. And I looked at Amy with a lot of fear that I was going to be afraid we wouldn't be able to get back down the mountain with the boys on our backs, given how noodly my legs felt. You just checked into the lodge. Yeah, except they didn't build it yet up there. Oh. I still think they haven't built it up there yet. I mean, this is before they even had, like, protective fencing up there. I mean, this was, this was raw time. So we decided that we would just slide down the hill on our rear ends and do the very, very best that we could and put the boys kind of in our laps as we did this. Well, as I started sliding down the hill and kind of abandoned the go to the top of Nevada Falls— as my heels were catching in the rock holds, what I noticed was... The back it, of your rear end was fine? It, the back of my rear end was numb, thank God, because I was sliding down. But my quadriceps were the muscles that were locking up. The front of my legs were actually locking up as I was going down. And there was no fatigue in those muscles whatsoever. So with a whole new set of confidence, I realized, oh, the muscles that got me up this mountain are different from the muscles that are going to get me down this mountain, my quadriceps rested the whole time I was going up. So I put the boys back in the backpacks, and we were able to safely get down the mountain using the front of our legs and the muscles that got us there. And the big lesson in that was, like you said, the muscles that got me up the hill were different than the muscles that got me down the hill. Everything you've learned about risk and money and these 30 or 40 or 50 years that you've been climbing up the mountain of retirement, perhaps you're getting close, but let me tell you, it's a completely different set of muscles that are going to successfully help you get down the mountain. Everything you know about risk and money needs to change as you move from that getting up the mountain stage in life to the going down the mountain stage of life. We could and should have a show just on that story. And I kind of wished, like, when you got to the top of Renal Falls, like Yoda appeared, because the the thing that the the thing that's hitting me relative to the risk conversation is that you only saw one risk when you got to the top of the mountain. That risk was how am I going to get down the mountain? Absolutely, right. There was no other risk in your filter, and I'm I'm picking on you in the context of so many people that we talk to are just thinking about one risk. One risk. Losing my money in the market. Losing my money. And while that is very valid, very valid, there is so much more to that conversation that we're going to spend the next however many episodes it takes to really digest this because this is a foundational aspect of financial sobriety. This and is having a, a healthy relationship with money. With, with money so that you can... You can see things. That's why the Yoda quote of, you know, you must unlearn what you've learned. Because so often we have learned that risk is loss of money. When it is, we've just spent two very, very powerful episodes with Ace's story on a different kind of risk. In that case, it was health. Yep. Right? So stick with us. We promise to not make it too scary, as my kids would say. And that we are going to have some fun with this. And 
through story and through a little anecdotal humor, we're going to unpack all these things. But just let the takeaway be, where are these risk scores today? Where are things geopolitically? Inflation, interest rates, valuations, commodities. These things are all super, super high. So start asking yourself, what are things you could do? Don't take any action on this right now, but just start thinking about, well, what could I do? You've got your... uh, your symbol for you have something to add. Well, I think there's one more very important Yoda quote that needs to be shared because when Yoda was sitting on my shoulder at the top of Renal Falls and I was freaking out about going down the hill, he whispered to me in his very Yoda voice, do or do not, there is no try. Uh-huh. So we are going to do or do not. We're not going to try. We're going to do this. We're going to talk about risk. We're going to help you get more intentional with your relationship with money and the risk that your money is exposed to. We're not going to bury our head in the sand with this. We're not going to ignore the fact that these risks exist. I knew there was risk going down that hill, but Yoda told me, go, do it. Don't try, don't contemplate, don't bury your head in the sand, do it. And that's where we're going. And with that, that's a wrap. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety. I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. To determine which investments or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers International Financial Services, LLC. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Gebhardt Group Incorporated does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance.